Welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. Uh, just some of your correspondence with us uh, this morning. One listener says, when the attacks happened in Dublin, all the media and politicians said that they can't uh, speculate or assume what happened until the Gardaí had uh, finished their investigations. Instantly, when the Galway fire broke out, uh, the same media and politicians seem to know exactly what happened with no Garda investigations, as Joe, who's in Thurlis today. Somebody else saying fair play to that uh, politician, that would be Councillor Noel Thomas, uh, for calling it exactly as it is and standing up for his people. And generally, uh, we are being dictated to by a shower of politicians that are just being politically correct and turning their backs on the very people that elected them. Our politicians want to be the star pupils of Europe, uh, jumping to every demand without standing up for their people. 083 311 Now, a remarkable story. It's a tale that reads like fiction. A man wrongfully convicted for the murder of an Irish priest and the unexpected journey of compassion that followed the murder of Father Patrick Ryan, who is buried in Doon, County Limerick. It's an incredible story and it's brought to life in a brand new podcast. Anne Murphy is a reporter with the Irish Examiner and host of the podcast Forgiven. And she joins me now. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. And many congratulations to you on this because it's the most incredible tale. And just to begin with, will you give us the background on Father Patrick Ryan? Yes, um, Father Patrick Ryan was born in Doon, as you say, and he became um, a member of the Palestine um, Order, um, and he went on to serve in parts of Africa, um, and then came back to Ireland, um, where he was uh, stationed in in Thorlis, um in the Palestine Order there, and also in the Palestine Order in Stillorgan in Dublin, um, and then in the late 1970s he. Uh, became a priest in Denver City um, in Texas. And unfortunately, that's where um, his uh, demise came. He he died three years later in somewhat gruesome circumstances in a motel um, 80 miles away from his parish in Denver City. He was found in a motel called the Sandon Stage Motel in Odessa. How did he end up in Denver City? What What was the detail behind that, do you know, Anne? It's impossible to find out, to be honest. Um, at the moment, um, even the police who have reopened the case into his murder um, just so, uh, nearly a year ago now, they still can't determine why um, Father Patrick Ryan was actually in Denver City and ministry. Um, as as I said, he, he had served in Ireland, he had served in Africa, mm. and mm. it kind of came out of the blue, I think, um, an appointment to Denver City. Now, there had been speculation perhaps that he may have been in a centre in New Mexico for um, for priests who were either in, um, you know, in, in trouble with alcohol addiction mm. or possibly abuse mm. uh, allegations made against them. But that is only one line of inquiry and nothing has ever been um, proven, proven on that front. Concerned. He was very popular in his ministry, was he not, Anne? He was indeed, um, like this time, uh, 41 years ago, in 42 years ago now, in 1981, he was um, quite popular and well-known um, in his parish. And so when he didn't turn up for Mass um, on either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day of 1981, his uh, parishioners were quite worried about him because I suppose, mm. you know, it's not expected that a priest wouldn't turn up for Christmas celebration Masses. Um, and... 
In the meantime, um, there was a body found in a um, motel room, as I say, in Odessa, in, in Texas. Um, and that person had checked into the hotel as a man called John Killy. But unfortunately, there couldn't be a positive identification made for that person. And when it emerged that there was um, a non-identified body as such found in um, Odessa, members of his parish actually went to Odessa and viewed the body and made the identification of Father Patrick Ryan as being the man who had checked into the motel under the pseudonym of, uh, of John Killy. Now, the murder itself, um, there, there, there was a man who, who did claim that he did the murder, that he was the murderer. Yes, and, and this man um, is called James Rayossi. Mm. He was from an, an Apache reservation in New Mexico. Um, he, at that point, was 25 years of age and just three weeks before the murder, on December 6th, 1981, he was hitchhiking um, from Hobbs in New Mexico to Denver City, where he had gone to live in recent years. And Father Patrick Ryan picked him up and in the three weeks that passed between that date of the, of when he when Father Patrick Ryan stopped to pick him up, um, the the two men became um, became quite friendly with each other. And um, over those three weeks, um, the the Apache American um, James Rayoff visited Father Patrick Ryan, and on one of those occasions, he said that he had been forced to engage in oral sex by Father Patrick Ryan. And that took place on December 20th, just one day before Father Patrick Ryan's murder in Odessa. Now, on the 21st of December, the date of the murder of Father Patrick Ryan, James Rayoff went to the house where he alleged that Father Patrick Ryan had assaulted him the night before. He said that he needed to get a lift to Hobbs in New Mexico because mm -hmm. his own vehicle had been impounded and he didn't know anybody else in Denver City and the only person that he could think of that could take him to New Mexico to pick up his car was Father Patrick Ryan and he said that Father Patrick Ryan apologised to him um, on that date, the day of his murder um, for what had transpired the night before and uh, it's a, it's a, a familiar um, phrase really when you speak with James Rayoff today mm. he tells me that he forgave Father Patrick Ryan on that day for what had happened the night before and Forgiven is the name of the podcast yes. as you rightly mentioned earlier on and that is because of the forgiving nature of James Rayoff as we will find out later on but on that day um, Father Patrick Ryan took James Rayoff to New Mexico to um, help him get his car back and on the way back he stayed in the motel in Odessa booking in there as father, um, uh, booking in there under a pseudonym of John Killy and that's where he was murdered that night. Now Mr Reyes was an unfortunate character anyway as you say Native American but a gay Native Amer American uh, that can't have been easy to be homosexual within that particular community who would have have had reservations about homosexuality, I suppose, Anne. Absolutely. And he would say himself that his father um, was a very conservative man. And I think for him, it was a fear of letting his father down, letting his mother down, um, more so than the, than the entire community. But he was also worried as well, obviously, about the community's um, views of, of homosexuality at the time. And so he buried who he was um, and... Um, I suppose he, he turned to drink and to mm. drugs as well as he would readily admit um, and became an addict and he 
blame that um, um, for what he did 11 months after the murder of Father Patrick Ryan because he said that he felt guilt over what had transpired on the night before the murder and on the occasion that Father Patrick Ryan um, allegedly forced him to have oral sex with him. And he, 11 months after the murder, turned himself into the police, basically, made a phone call when he was drunk and 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 also uh, on the under the influence of drugs. And he admitted to the murder of Father Patrick Ryan, even though he had much proof that he had been over 200 miles away in Roswell in New Mexico at the time of the murder. And so even though he did actually... Um, come under the radar of the police in the early days of their investigation after the murder of Father Patrick Ryan. The only reason that he came under the spotlight again 11 months later was because of that drunken phone call. And even though he recanted again and, and said that, you know, he, he hadn't murdered Father Patrick Ryan, that he, he, he had made a false confession, he was convicted in a court of law. And tell me about the conviction and uh, what, what was the decision around the conviction? So he was sentenced to 40 years in prison, friend, and he served um, he served 20 in prison and uh, 20 on parole um, for the murder. Um, and after after his conviction, he tried desperately to have it overturned, but it took 41 years for that to happen. And and what what I mean, you you've spoken to him, and um, as you say, he he forgives everybody. At this point, does he for for his incarceration? He does, yeah, he does. Um, he like he he took it took him many years to get a fair hearing and to get exonerated, which he was exonerated in October of this year. Yeah. Um, but he is, as I say, a very forgiving person. He doesn't hold grudges. He says that there's no point in bitterness. Um, he is very relieved to know that now there are three people who have been identified as being in the room um, in the hotel where Father Patrick Ryan was murdered um, at the time of the murder. Um, they, those three people have since died, unfortunately. But they, the police there um, in Texas have identified them from fingerprints that were found at the scene and they could only be um, identified now with the passage of time and and the the you know the evolution of technology in that area, yes, yeah. and so unfortunately he spent many years under the cloud of doubt. But he's very relieved now, um, and he says that he even forgives the prosecutors who fought so hard to make sure that um, that he would be um, found guilty of the murder. And and you talk about the three people who are possible suspects and and they've passed away at this point. But is it a case that the belief is now that all three were involved in the murder, or was there one of these people who was the perpetrator? How how does that work, Anne? They're not sure. Um, all they know is that there was a very violent struggle in the room. There was blood um, all over the room. There was a broken door. There was damage to the bed. There was damage to um, light fittings. Everything in the room, basically. Um, so it, it looked to have been a very violent scene on the night. They know that there was a, at least one other person in the room, as well as the three who have been identified from the fingerprints that were lifted from things like beer cans that were in the room. It appears that there may have been a party on the night. Um, the reason for the murder still has not been um, you know, established as such. And that's why police were trying to find out why uh, Father Patrick Ryan was in the U.S. Um, for those three years before he was murdered, and um, was there any specific reason um, that these three men had um, been in the room, had targeted him? Um, they, 
they know that his accordion, his cellist that he carried with him everywhere um, were taken um, on the night of the robbery. His car was also stolen and later found in New Mexico, as was his wallet and cards and money. Um, but there was, um, like, there was no, there is no evidence on why he was murdered so brutally. Um, they do know that, as I say, three men who had, you know, fingerprints on, mm. on the system were identified. They do know that there's one other person who was in the room, um, but they cannot mm. find a link for the fingerprints of that person, and, and so that person remains unknown. And was I reading, Anne, that one of the three, did he take his own life with a cyanide uh, pill uh, before making a confession or something? Was there something about that? <laughs> well, there, he wasn't one of the three that were in the room, but there is speculation that there may have been a connection with that person. So that person was, um, he walked into a church in Boise in Idaho, um, further north from Texas. Um, he took cyanide and he died in the um in the church and when he when his body was examined there was a note on it. It was signed William L. Toomey and initially that was thought to be his name, but it was discovered that William L. Toomey was actually the name of a company in the US which manufactured clerical garb. So it's it's unknown if that man's name really was William L. Toomey or did he have some connection to the clergy himself? He, um, he wore distinctive clothing, which uh, were traced to um, were traced to Arizona to a shop in Arizona. So it's known that he was obviously from that area or connected to that area. And there was a number of murders of priests in um, in a belt of that area, including Texas as well. In the early 1980s, and Father Patrick Ryan was just one of a number of mm. uh, priests who were killed in that period of time. And so investigators and the Innocence Project of Texas, who backed James Reyes's case, they were examining whether there was a link between the Boise John Doe and mm. case of Father Patrick Ryan. So far, there has been no connection made, but it is strongly felt that it is a possibility that that man had some connection to the murder of whether he was a priest or had carried out um, a murder himself. He apparently seemed to be waiting to have his confession heard when he died, but his confession was not heard because he died before he got to the confessional. My God, is it a possibility then that there was a serial killer uh, in operation there at one stage where, where priests were concerned? Is that is that a possibility? That is one um, line of investigation that the police um, have Tried, has tried to follow up, but it's it's impossible, I suppose, 41 at, years on to at, actually at get this that point. clarified. Well, I don't want to particularly talk ill of the dead, but it, it is documented. Father Patrick Ryan, he did tend to pick up hitchhikers, did he, along the way? Yes, he did. Um, there was a number of hitchhikers, I think, um, who would have come across him in, um, in the U.S., um, certainly. But it isn't known, really, what transpired on those occasions. But the police do wonder why he would have been using a pseudonym when he booked into the Sand and Sage Motel. And also it is, um, it is critical as well that James Reyes didn't know his real name. When he picked up James Reyes, he told him his name was John. And James Reyes only discovered that he was a priest when he dropped him home. And he told him that he was a priest. And he, James Reyes did not know that his actual name was Father Patrick Ryan until after the murder. And he found out on television and press uh, coverage of the murder that his name was actually Father Patrick Ryan. He always thought his name was Father John. He is buried in Dune, as we say. So he, his, body, his body was brought back, Anne. 
Yes, his body was brought back and after a, um, a, a big, um, very large uh, funeral mass in Texas before his remains were brought back to Ireland. Um, the his bishop in in Texas um, was quite effusive in his tributes to him. And similar here, um, there was um, you know a, a big funeral in Dune. Um, unfortunately, there's nobody in Dune who seems to remember him now or don't want to talk about him or about the murder. But his gravestone there um, speaks very highly of him and says that he will never be forgotten. But it's quite tragic that. He seems to have been in his native land, at least. Um, and most of his relatives now, if they're uh, all of his siblings, I think are deceased. He does have nieces and nephews, as far as I'm aware, but all of those are in the US. He was a musician, of course, and I think the image in the graveyard in Dune has him with with his accordion that was so so special to him, wasn't it? It was. So it was quite sad that that that, that was never found afterwards. Um, and I know that the silver chalice that he carried everywhere with him um, was very special to him as well um, and that has never been recovered either. And it's the most remarkable story. What reaction are you getting to this, Anne? People are astounded by it, um, fascinated by it. Uh, I think the, the reason I was drawn to it myself to explore it and to, and to do um, the podcast was because I had done a piece um, and had spoken briefly with James Rayoff back in, I think it was February, and I just found it fascinating. I found him fascinating as a as an individual as well. And just, yeah, I suppose people are astounded that he's so forgiving after 41 years, um, you know, with his life on hold, basically. And now he's a 67-year-old man who has suffered a severe stroke in the last year and is trying to recover from that. And you kind of wonder what quality of life is ahead of him even though it should be starting just now with the exoneration having been granted. He he did get a payout, did he not, uh, because of his incarceration? Uh, what was it, a couple of million dollars, was it? He hasn't gotten it yet, but that is now going through the process, so right. he will be entitled to at least $2.6 million um, for the years that he has served. And uh, as far as I know, there will be... Um, you know, that, that there is a process involved in that, but mm. uh, it's under statutes in Texas, um, so he, he will be receiving um, a big payout on this. But for him, he seems to be a man of simple means. All he wants to do is to return and, as he said to me, see the snowy mountains of New Mexico and uh, reunite with his family because even though he was on parole, he wasn't allowed to leave Texas. So he has spent the last uh, 10 to 12 years living in halfway accommodation, basically, in Austin and Texas. So he is looking forward to come back to New Mexico. He, I think to him, money isn't isn't it. It's, it's the exoneration is the important part. Well, it's the most amazing story. The podcast is called Forgiven. How can people have a listen to that, Anne? Um, it's available on the, exam, uh, the Irish Examiner website, so go to www.irishexaminer.com. All right. Well, you appreciate you making time for us, and Look after yourself, and a happy Christmas to you. Thank you. Happy Christmas to you, Thank too. you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye to you there. And uh, Anne Murphy, a reporter with the Irish Examiner and host of that podcast called Forgiven. I'm sure you'll agree it's a, the most amazing story. Um, we'll take a break. Back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie 